Brandon means is that I am going to be handwriting summaries <laughs> and emailing them to him. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanty Show's Righteous Kicks, the podcast where two science fiction writers geek out about men in spandex bodysuits who kick evildoers to death in abandoned quarries until they explode. Which a lot more people get to see on the internet now, which is really neat. I'm Iori. I'm Brandon. And today we have a lot of feelings about the past year and a half. Kamen Rider and Tokusatsu in general has been having an interesting moment since early 2020, not only because of the the coronavirus pandemic, but because this was also the period where more shows started becoming more available online, which brings with it not only more visibility, but sadly, more drama as well. So, let's talk about it. 2020 has been particularly good for people who want to watch Kamen Rider because one very interesting thing happened in the US and unfortunately only the US but still um, which was the creation of a new streaming service called Tokushoutsu and one of the first things that it had available for people to watch for the first time in America uh, with English subtitles was the first Kamen Rider series from 1971 and that went really well People who had never seen Kamen Rider before got the opportunity to see it. People who had previously had to resort to unsavory means, I guess, to watch Kamen Rider were very excited to get the opportunity to see Kamen Rider with English subtitles legally online. And that led to Tokushoutsu actually licensing even more shows uh, in the months afterward, including Kamen Rider Kuga... And later this year, in 2021, they're actually supposed to get the rights for Kamen Rider Zero One as well, which is the series that just concluded, um, which is actually really cool. Obviously, we both kind of have feelings about that because of where we are in the world as well, because being in Trinidad, I don't get it, which is very unfortunate because I'd like to be able to pay to watch Kamen Rider, but I'm still very glad that it's available in the US. Being in Japan... I can actually just watch a surprising amount of Kamen Rider on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Which is feeding back into another very interesting thing uh, that happened in 2020, which we will get to. But, like, one of the things that I think is particularly interesting about Tokushoutsu is it brands itself very heavily as, obviously, a streaming service that cares about Tokusatsu as a piece of media. Like, it has its own commentary show is apparently hit or miss for a lot of people but i think that the fact that people are having professional conversations about toku as a genre and especially from an attempted academic level in the way that that was described at when the streaming service came out is actually good for the fandom because it means that the level of conversation um has the potential to increase even if this is not necessarily the thing that people want to consume but also Tokushoutsu is, as far as I understand, free, which is good because it means that all you have to do is have an internet connection and you get to watch Kamen Rider. And that's good for the increased visibility of, this, of the franchise um, 
internationally, which is ultimately what fandoms want for a show to succeed. So even if I can't see it, I'm particularly glad that it exists. I'm also glad that Toei decided at around the same time that they wanted to make a YouTube channel that caters to international audiences and not just Japanese audiences. Because as you mentioned, I know that Toei has a YouTube channel that just allows you to watch not just Kamen Rider, but most of Toei's stuff in general, if I'm not mistaken. Right. There is an official Toei channel that covers not just Kamen Rider. So the official Toei Tokusatsu YouTube channel has, in addition to Kamen Rider, B-Fighter Kabuto, Chikyu Sentai Fibuman. Mm-hmm, one of the classic Sentai. Q-Ranger. One of my favorite Sentai. Juonja. Sorry, Juonja. So yeah, but I mean, that means that there is tokusatsu content and adjacent content, the content that is freely available in Japan that you could just like open a YouTube video and just watch the thing. Yeah, Toei is even doing like weekly re-airings of their older shows. So, for instance, right now, they are actively rerunning Drive on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool. I uh, Obviously, because we watch Drive, I have a lot of feelings about Drive. Drive is a very good series. But I'm very jealous of you, very obviously, because Toei has a channel that is available for the rest of the world, which is called Toei Tokusatsu World Official. And it has, presently... Some classic Super Sentai, most of the catalog of the Toei Fushigi comedy show, which is I think which I think is really cool because that has stuff like La Belle Fille Masque Poitrine and some like children's content that I think is really fun and really endearing. Okay, that's fascinating because this is what I see when I go to Toei Tokusatsu World Official on YouTube. It doesn't exist, does this it? This channel has no videos! Yeah, it's hilarious, right? Because... It's entirely region-locked! Yeah, because the Japanese version is region-locked as well. Um, which is really interesting, because they're the same content. But it's also very interesting because Toei Tokusatsu World Official has English subs up to a point. If you're watching, like one of the Fushigi comedy shows, or they have some uh, subbed anime as well, you can typically watch up to episode 3 or episode 4 or episode 5 before whoever made these subs available just stopped adding them. Either because YouTube's weird community um, contributions issue regarding potential subtitle abuse kind of denied them the opportunity to continue, or because somebody just gave up, which is unfortunately also a possibility. And then, in early 2021, like, just before the anniversary event in April, they decided that they were going to make episodes of Kamen Rider available on the YouTube channel as well. But only the first two episodes of every franchise. Which is unique, because that's, like, enough of a single series of Kamen Rider for it to essentially just be an ad. You haven't learned enough about the world. You haven't learned enough about these characters. The stakes haven't been raised. 
Um, so all you know are the protagonists and what they use to transform and the theme song. And you have to, like, gather how well you are attached to this uh, series or not based on that. And then hope that you can find it elsewhere. Which is not bad, because I, I have, in fact, argued for a lot of people, if you've never seen a Kamen Rider series before, just test the waters with these handfuls of episodes and see how you may feel about one of these things. But it is kind of disappointing that once you decide that you like a thing, you can't continue. And if you need more time to figure out whether you like a thing, you can't continue, because they've only given you those two episodes. Yeah, it's not ideal. Like, I would like to have gone back to some of the, like, Showa-era series that I hadn't seen, and, like, hopefully just, like, be able to watch them top to bottom, knowing that Toei is making them available, but you can't do that. Which makes it a very weird opportunity to gain a fan base because they made that decision after Tokushoutsu. So it's not like there isn't a place for American audiences to see Kamen Rider. But like the goal was to raise the profile of the franchise before the anniversary event so people who had never seen it before knows what it looks like. But how do you get someone to commit to a thing when they don't know where it goes after episode two? Yeah, I think it's a real problem to make so little of it available because of the way pacing tends to run in a Kamen Rider show. When you're on episode two, you're barely getting into your Monster of the Week arcs. You simply haven't had enough time to really get attached to a character. Remember when we did Drive? If I was only given access to the first two episodes of Drive, I don't think I would have stuck with it. I mean, yeah, fair enough. If if you just relied on the first two episodes of Drive, there are entire characters that you would just grow to hate. You just assume that they're not, they're never going to be nice or trustworthy people. If you were just starting with the two episodes, the first two episodes of Forza, for instance, you have no idea what the Kamen Rider Club is yet because it hasn't happened because uh, Gentura hasn't made any friends yet, which would suck. Right, almost none of the characters I actually got invested in appear in the first two episodes. Yeah, but also, especially with Kamen Rider, there is this unique kind of challenge where it's not its not only that I don't know this character well enough, it's that I don't know this character well enough in a franchise where it is kind of obligatory that they're going to meet other riders and have interactions with them very strongly. And based on the information that is available in the first two episodes of any series, you would never assume that that happens. The first several shows in the franchise, all of those legend riders have interacted with each other at least once. But those things happen far later in those uh, arcs. Like, if we were relying on the first two episodes of the first series, for instance... There are literally nearly a hundred episodes of other things happening that you will never be able to glean who these characters are or their importance because they only appear here and are ultimately considered valuable to the franchise at large because of their presence. And you don't get to experience that. You don't even get to experience the protagonist's uh, power-up transformation or like one of the like one of the big raising of stakes in any of those series because at least we could have 
at least in any of the early series, if you went up to maybe episode eight or nine, at least a thing, at least an interesting thing happens. If you at least wait until like episode five or six for one of the Heisei series, at least there has been some new interesting challenge that has been introduced to the series, but none of those things actually happen yet, which kind of sucks. It's not an efficient marketing strategy. It isn't. Uh, which is interesting because that happened just before, as previously mentioned, the 50th anniversary of Kamen Rider, which is a big deal for fans. And Toei wanted to do as much as possible in order to like highlight how much of a big deal that is. Including some announcements of things that I'm really excited for, because those things will also be more readily available in the US. Or at least one of those things. Because... Toei announced three big projects that they're going to undertake between now and at the latest 2023 that are actually really, really promising. Uh, One of which is an anime that I'm really, really hyped for. Yes, I am very excited to see that there will be a double anime. Hutotante looks like it's going to be super good. I haven't actually read the manga because I don't actually read manga very often at all. I mean, to be fair, neither do I. I didn't even know that Futotante was a manga until the anime was announced, and I was like, that looks like a thing that I should read. At this point, the only manga, the only Kamen Rider manga I was aware of was Kamen Rider Spirits, which is rad, but like knowing that not only is there more Kamen Rider double, but that they're going to adapt it into an anime is really, really interesting. I have a lot of very strong feelings about Kamen Rider double, uh, which I jokingly refer to as the adventures of a himbo detective and his very astute uh, boyfriend. So the thing that interests me about Huto Tante is there, there's actually a reason that the words Kamen Rider don't appear in the title. And that's because they were trying to essentially market to audience segments that don't care about Toku. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, Kamen Rider Double is just science fiction mystery series. Right. So they're framing the marketing around the manga as just, oh yeah, it's a mystery. Oh yeah, it's also from Kamen Rider, but eh, that's incidental. Yeah. If you don't care about Kamen Rider law, it's just about a private eye in a city with a lot of breeze in it, just dealing with some very intense weirdness, which is really cool. Again, I really like Kamen Rider Double, so I'm glad that people who have never experienced Kamen Rider Double will have the opportunity to experience it in anime form without ever having to think about Kamen Rider as a a franchise, and still hopefully learning enough and gleaning enough from the fandom to go, oh, this is part of a bigger thing, I should probably experience more about that bigger thing. And part of the reason why I'm so hype about that as a result is, it's already been picked up by Funimation for English subs, so it's definitely going to come out in the US. Uh, Funimation's quality tends to be very good in the anime scene, so I'm really excited for people to go, oh, there's this new anime, Funimation has made it available for us to watch. I'm going to watch the thing. Oh, this is really cool. What's Kamen Rider? And then that just being their way into at least Heisei. Because Double is such a good example of uh, a Heisei series. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great piece of gateway media. Which makes it 
extra disappointing that Toei has not capitalized on the need for, you know, appeals to the English market, better subs, wider availability. Yeah, which is a big issue, um, which we will get to in greater detail uh, at some point. Yeah, tell me about these other cool projects. Yes. Another very uh, fascinating thing that was announced is that they're going to remake Kamen Rider Black, which I haven't seen, but the people who have like seen that series are particularly hype about this remake because a lot of the characterization in Kamen Rider Black is very intense, like brotherly feuding, violent family conflict, the compassion that you have for your family against like this the safety or destruction of the entire world is actually really intriguing and i think that attempting to remake a showa series in the rewa era might actually be really cool for established fans because it's an opportunity to see what a series that came out in the 70s would look like with the kind of uh, modern technological advances and more deliberate writing decisions would look like, and that that might actually be really cool. Um, whether that's going to be available everywhere has yet to be determined, but the fact that it exists is still good for the franchise as a whole. I think there's also some really great new merch up for pre-order. Can we talk about how great the merch has been lately? I haven't even seen Saber, but oh, I want like half the clothes. <laughs> yes, one of the other things that happened uh, in the lead up to the 50th anniversary is a lot of new, like specific kind of merch options, including but not limited to an entirely new fashion line called Henshin, where you can like buy streetwear that is specifically Kamen Rider branded, not all of which looks particularly... Not all of which is something I'd leave the house in. Yeah, they're very striking in a way that will not be everyone's cup of tea. I, for one, would like to wear the Kamen Rider double shoes, maybe the five shoes. If I ever see someone in public... Wearing the Cyclone Joker shoes, I'm going to have to ask them for a photo. Okay, I will do that for you. Just to commemorate their bravery. This is gonna happen, um, if I ever get one. I'm pretty sure all of those pre-orders are already closed. But yes, Premium Bandai came out with a whole slew of new merch options, including new watches and new jewelry, and has continued their commitment to selling replica costumes from their series, which is particularly striking because Kamen Rider Saber has some of the best costumes of a series that I think I have ever seen. Like, not only deliberately interesting, but clothes that I would like to wear. There's also new merch for Drive. Oh ho! Which, it's been years... But now we have track jackets, we have shirts, we have hats, we have a fanny pack. We have a really great jacket for Kamen Rider Muck that I am going to try very hard to have enough self-control not to purchase. <laughs> I, I think I lack that self-control. I will also mention that one of the particularly standout things has, that has been happening this year is an American group called Team Rider US who is partially responsible uh, for uh, stuff like 
introducing Shout Factory to Kamen Rider in the first place, leading to the launch of Tokushoutsu, has been uh, really pushing for uh, making more merch available for uh, American order and pre-order by like shipping in toys and stuff like that to the US, uh, which is very cool. Uh, so if you want to get like a Kamen Rider belt or a articulated figurine of one of the uh, series protagonists, you can do that now. And it's actually remarkably cheaper than it would have been to simply order those things from Japan in a lot of cases, uh, which is also very good. That has been a boon for fans as well, because often it's been very difficult to find a lot of toys without having to order them straight from Japan and have to cover the exorbitant amount of money it would cost for it to be shipped. And the final announcement that Toei made during their anniversary celebrations is, of course, uh, something that uh, blew the minds of Kamen Rider fans and regular otaku alike, which is Hideaki Anno is about to essentially complete the trifecta of his youth by being announced as the director of the upcoming movie Shin Kamen Rider, um, which is essentially in the spirit of a series of films that he has already made for other intellectual properties, because he has previously uh, directed uh, Shin Godzilla and uh, Shin Ultraman, um, which have been both fairly well received by fans and non-fans alike. Uh, so the announcement that he's doing a Kamen Rider movie has been very hype, especially for people who just like Anno's work in general. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. I will be there opening day. I would like to be there opening day. I have a lot of feelings about Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno is finally free from Evangelion. He's finally unburdened. And not only do I think that that's good for Anno as a person, but I'm really interested in seeing Anno commit to an IP that has no attachments to his own ideals. Because, for instance, Shin Godzilla, for all of its very interesting decisions, is both very much a Godzilla film in like the vein of the very early movies, and very much a deliberate kind of observation about things like national bureaucracy that I think is really cool and really interesting. And I'd like to see Anno ask questions about Kamen Rider Ichigo that are similarly off the beaten path, while still feeling very much like this is Kamen Rider Ichigo through the lens of someone who has... Um, modern technical sensibilities enough to make this look really, really outstanding for people who have no idea about anything about this franchise. So when people have never seen Kamen Rider see Shin Kamen Rider, I'm very eager to hear what they think about that movie. Um, so I really can't wait for that. Toei also decided during their anniversary celebrations that they were going to make some of the recent Kamen Rider movies available on Toei Tokusatsu World Official. Which is very interesting, because it meant, for instance, that you could watch one of the more recent Kamen Rider movies, Kamen Rider Generations. But one of the like weird things about that decision was you could only watch it for a day. It was only available on YouTube for 24 hours. That's unfortunate, but it's not uncommon over here. 
during the pandemic, we've had a lot of artist events like that on YouTube. And as soon as it's over, the video goes private. If you missed it, you'll never see it again. I mean, I get it. But like, why though? Well, particularly with musicians, as the pandemic has continued in Japan, we're seeing shifts in how they're distributing content. Because at the top of the pandemic, when everyone was like, oh, it's going to blow over real soon, there were lots of free streaming events. As things continued and continued, there was a transition to, well, we gotta eat, let's start charging for these. Except there were some problems with that, where a lot of musical artists were charging close to a normal ticket price for you to sit in your home and watch them on the computer. So there's been a lot of trouble with content distribution, how to make it sustainable for artists without a price that is exorbitant to consumers. And one of the middle grounds that people have found is by doing digests or previews of paid content for a limited run on YouTube so that you get a little sample, maybe with commentary by the artist, especially for things like concert DVDs, and that is supposed to motivate you to go spend the money. Fair enough. Part of what still makes that kind of tricky is this is happening for people, this is happening for a community of fans who would like to spend money on more Kamen Rider stuff and can't. Like, for instance, during the uh, anniversary celebrations, Toei also announced that Tokushoutsu would have the rights for Kamen Rider Zero One in 2021, including the permission to release Blu-rays, which is really cool. But that means that Zero One will be the first time that someone can buy English sub Kamen Rider content. That will be the only like physical medium Kamen Rider that you can consume with your own paid money. But there are people who would like very much if they wanted to, to be able to just pay money and be able to consume, uh, for instance, Kamen Rider Ryo the first generation, the uh, one of the last movies for Kamen Rider Zero One. If you don't live in the US, you kind of have to hope that you are awake at the hour that it came on on YouTube, and if you missed it, you'll never see it again. But we would like, like, what if we wanted to spend the money? How do we find the way to spend the money? That kind of frustration has become very upsetting for the fans around the same time that uh, Toei had licensed two other Kamen Rider series to another um, streaming service, uh, which is Toku HD, um, which has been out for much longer. Toku Shoutsu started in 2020, but Toku has Toku HD has been available for a few years before that, which is similarly available for free in the US, and had been spending a handful of months in like late 2019 asking people, hey, do you want to see Kamen Rider on our streaming service? And people were saying yes the entire time. And then they waited until 2021 to announce that Agito and Fies would be available on Toku HD, which people were very glad about because Kamen Rider Agito and Kamen Rider Fies are some of the big favorites among the eras that they came out in. And then the series actually came out on Toku HD. And people immediately got frustrated by the fact that the subs on Toku HD for Kamen Rider Fies are bad. It just felt very obviously rushed and unpleasant to a lot of people, um, who were just otherwise very eager to see the thing. 
And that led fans to do what fans do best in fandom, which is get upset on the internet. So they voiced their frustration at Toei, thinking that Toei was responsible for the subs, because Toei has typically been responsible for subs. A lot of fans took that opportunity to tell Toei, the f- the subs on Toku HD should be better. And as an example, here are our favorite fan subs of Kamen Rider series. So you've been a member of fandom for a while, Iori. You've watched fan-subbed anime, I'm sure. I'm sure there are unwritten rules about how the fandom has conversations about subs. Do you, Can you imagine what any of those might be? Don't go back to the original creators. <laughs> Why would you not do that? Why wouldn't you? Because when you tell an original creator that someone else is doing the work that they're neglecting, it doesn't actually motivate them to up their game. It just makes them mad that someone else is honing in on their turf. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it would be a lie for us to say that most Japanese television culture isn't aware of fan subs. Like, they have to be, because they're aware that they have international fandoms, even if they're not licensed. Such is the case with Toei. Like, they obviously had to have known. If you can't watch Kamen Rider in the US until 2020, but you have fans in the US, those fans came somewhere. They didn't fall from trees. So they were fine, I'm sure, turning a blind eye to to the existence of fan subs, precisely because they were working towards increasing the visibility of their brand through uh, stuff like Tokushatsu. However slowly, however frustratingly that might be. For instance, I think that the subs on Toku HD are, in fact, a poor example of how to promote your work internationally. And I'm sure that there are people who saw it and went, this is bad, I'm not going to watch Kamen Rider. That sucks. But when you tell Toei, there are people on the internet who are essentially pirating your show. And they're better than you. (laughs) Obviously, there's going to be someone in Toei's legal department who goes, I wonder how I can ruin this for people. And he's in the right, because ultimately it is functionally piracy. Um, we may have like ideological questions about why f- uh, fan subs exist. I think that fan subs are actually important to the um, furthering of a piece of media in international culture. I think that if it weren't for fan subs, I wouldn't like Kamen Rider. If it weren't for fan subs, this show would not exist. But there are ways for fans to be more decent about those conversations. And a subset of fans, rather, hadn't thought that far ahead when they decided they needed to let Toei know, hey, these subs are bad, because you could have just let them know, hey, these subs are bad. And the consequence of that was... Toei decided to send cease and desist letters to some of the biggest fan sub communities on the internet, including, to be perfectly honest, some who I credit for my awareness of the genre in the first place, who have since decided to comply with those cease and desist letters and no longer host any Kamen Rider content on their websites and are no longer translating the present Kamen Rider series, Kamen Rider Saber, which means that if you were watching Kamen Rider Saber, you're probably never going to get further than episode 30 or 32, uh, which sucks because Saber is actually really neat. But also because now we don't know where we stand in terms of the further availability of the series. 
And then some fans decided to be even worse and harass one of the producers of the show on Twitter. That went uh, it, precisely as well as you imagined, which is a very nice, congenial Japanese gentleman going on Twitter and saying, why is everyone cursing at me? This doesn't make me want to do my job very well, but I'm going to be professional because this is something that I love as well. And ultimately, the part that like, is frustrating the most is, I get why fans are upset because I'm upset, but this is not the way that we go about having those conversations because this is the way that you lose the access to the thing that you like. So, as it stands, the feature of Kamen Rider availability in English for international fans may be up in the air because there are a lot of series now that we just can't see. And I obviously have a lot of feelings about that because the show exists because at some point I knew that I could rely on a place where I shouldn't have to get Kamen Rider in order to watch Kamen Rider. Living in Trinidad and Tobago, most streaming availability is very fraught for me. I can't even get Paramount+. Plus. It's a really difficult thing that could have been handled better. Indeed. And I, I feel like it could have been handled better by both parties, in fact. Because I do believe that, ultimately, there is a kind of grace that I think that more organizations should extend to fan subbers. Because they're not trying to make money off of your work. They're doing it because they want the the work to reach a wider audience. Like, Overtime doesn't get paid. The singular owner of the website krdl.moe only raises funds... For server costs. Yeah, to keep the server online and to pay for the domain. That's it. And is literally willing to, like, literally sell their own labor to make the money to keep the website afloat. That doesn't strike me as piracy. My understanding of the basic compact between fans and makers is that if someone is making your work available in a market that you have shown no interest in penetrating or monetizing, then until such time as you are willing to actually put in the necessary work to cultivate that market, it's polite to look the other way. They're not making money off it, but they are definitely going to open an avenue to make you some money when they decide that they want some merch, which they can still only get from you, but a huge part of the fan obligation is when you're making something, you don't run back to the creator with it and ask them to put it up on the fridge. But like, it's also a matter of not being cruel as well. There is a way that fandom kind of explodes, and I always hate saying it because I don't think that fandom as a culture, as a unique thing, is bad, or that even a large subset of fans in any individual fandom are um, representative of the worst aspects of this kind of behavior. But it happens all the time in a fandom that a subset of fans are cruel to creators because of something that they could have been patient about instead. And that doesn't help us when we kind of depending on the kindness of the of the franchise to be able to see it in the first place. And part of the, like another reason why I'm upset, I guess, is there is totally outside of Kamen Rider a perfect example of what perfect availability can look like that Bandai is doing essentially as an experiment elsewhere on YouTube. Bandai Spirits created a YouTube channel that literally, as of this moment only has two things on it. 
random assorted episodes of Jaspion that are like literally so disconnected that you have to watch episodes one to four in a like one and a half hour long video and then skip immediately to episode 16 because they didn't put any of the episodes in between on there. But they're all subbed. And one of the more interesting things that they've put on that YouTube channel is a series called Girl Gun Lady. I've spoken about uh, several times before. If you if you also listen to the Speculative Dispatch on Skiffy and Fanti, you've heard me literally shout it out because I think that it's a really rad series and you can watch it for free on YouTube because it came out just uh, last month and like the morning after it airs in Japan, the video is available on the YouTube channel with uh, very well done English subs immediately for you to just watch but this is for a new ip this is for them to sell a brand new toy line this is for them to sell a brand new toy line specifically to young girls nobody knows anything about this brand bandai has more well-known brands that will obviously sell in the United States, based on a level of recognition that they could have leaned on re-airing the anime that is related to X card game or Y toy instead. But instead they made this thing available for no other reason than because it's new and it's actually kind of good. And it's doing pretty well on YouTube. But people are watching it and enjoying it. People want to see more. And people want to see Bandai make more of their things similarly available. They want that for Toei as well. Toei decided to do this thing first and has not been committing as much as the toy company that has no stake in whether a television show does well so long as the toys sell. Similarly on YouTube, Tsuburaya, the producers of Ultraman, have been making most of Ultraman and most of the classic Gridman series available on YouTube for you to watch with English subtitles as well. The only people kind of dropping the ball here are Toei, and they have no reason to, because they have a wealth of content, all of it is good, and people want to get it. And people want to pay for it. I want, the fr- I want this franchise and this genre as a whole to succeed in ways that I feel like Toei doesn't. <laughs> And it's actually kind of sad, thing. In a way, I feel like they are f- leaving free money on the table. I mean, yes, they do have to put investment into getting things translated properly, but Toku is a huge industry over here because of all the toy tie-ins, and if you take that to a foreign market, you could sell a crap load of toys. I mean, God, remember when we were all super into Power Rangers, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh?, yeah. You can shell so much cheap plastic junk if you just make subtitles available. Power Rangers is another very good example. There are people who have gotten into Super Sentai because Power Rangers was good and they wanted to see more of where that came from. And they buy Sentai toys that have no Power Rangers equivalent because they're functionally the same thing. That's money. You can earn that money. You can earn the money selling Kamen Rider belts and very unique costumes to people who want to get into this franchise. People who are already committed to this franchise and want to be committed more and want to introduce it to their friends. 
please. Like, I've never wanted so badly to beg someone to take my money in my life. I did, but then they brought out the second Pokemon Snap, so now I don't need to beg anymore. Wow. Duly noted. (laughs) So I guess one of the things that is also worth mentioning as a result is there will come a point, or there we are at a point, where even the way that we are capable of accessing Kamen Rider as host of this show will become fraught. What Brandon means is that I am going to be handwriting summaries <laughs> and emailing them to him. Yeah. And whenever the postal situation over here gets sorted out, we're going to see how many DVDs I can fit into a box. <laughs> and then we're going to see if that box makes it to Trinidad. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to be, like, watching Kamen Rider via Discord screen share while Iori live translates. And that's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. I don't I, I don't mean to say, like, Righteous Kicks is going to end indefinitely because we can't watch subs. Things are still available if somewhat nebulously. And I say this as somebody who would like very much for them to be available in a way in Trinidad where we get to support the creators and help you support the creators as well which is why i do also want to mention that we're going to make a greater commitment on this show to highlighting uh ways that you can in fact support toei and let people know that you actually are interested in this franchise and want to see it grow but that is going to be difficult given how difficult it is for me to get these things here and for these things to be available in general. Not impossible. And I'm willing to bear that difficulty because I care about Kamen Rider. And because I made this show because I want folks who have never heard about Kamen Rider during their lives to go, Hey, this is really neat. I want to experience this thing and get more people to watch this. Ultimately, nothing is going to stop me from watching more Kamen Rider because I care about this franchise a lot. And nothing is going to stop me from talking about this hair with with you, Iori, and with you all listening. Because it's really rad. And I want people to know exactly how rad it is, even if Toei won't let me. Yes, I'm in a pretty different content access situation where, you know, at least I have Netflix, at least I have YouTube, so I do have legal roots to access this. But honestly, until the pandemic... Except for series that I deliberately sought out to watch all the way through, my major source of exposure to Kamen Rider was that it's very frequently just running in the background on the TV at bars I go to. (laughs) So like, I've seen a bunch of Deno out of context, I've seen a bunch of Ryuki out of context, I've seen a bunch of Blade out of context, and I'd like to be able to know what's going on instead of just watching two, three random episodes. It's been weird these last couple years. I feel less connected in that I don't know when the new thing thing is happening because I'm not hearing anybody sing the theme song at karaoke. The way I find out the new Kamen Rider has finally been released for that year is when someone sings the theme song and I get to see the PV and then I'm like, oh, okay, new one. Nice costume. I guess you'll have to wait a few months to experience that then. Especially because Saber's song is actually really dope, I think. I haven't heard it! (laughs) When bars open up again, I'm sure there will be, like, a line waiting of people who just want to sing that song one after the next. Mm, I mean, we'll break it up with a little bit of Goggle 5 and a couple rounds of Overquartzer. (laughs) 
Fair enough. I can't wait to actually like experience that karaoke experience. I think that's really going to be cool. One, one of these days, whenever I get to Japan. When there is travel again someday. <laughs> that and a, a great deal of other things are dependent on time. Only time will tell when when we can travel again. What the future of Kamen Rider holds for us in the West who just want to watch men in spandex bodysuits kill the kick evil doers to death in abandoned quarries until they explode. And of course, we can count on there always being more common Rider over here, because it prints money, as they used to say. <laughs> Righteous kicks will continue, very obviously. We still have a lot of thoughts, and you're going to hear a lot of those thoughts about this series that we can still see. And until next time, when we have those thoughts... Be transformed! And stay righteous! If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>